What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 104 Six and One podcast. I am your host, Kevin Valentin. I first off wanted to start with an apology, as I know that I did take last week off unannounced. Um, a lot of my friends did hit me up asking what's going on, where's the episode, and unlike a few weeks prior where I was just late, I t- decided to take the week off. I felt like I was kind of getting repetitive with my material. There wasn't really much going on in the sports world. Uh, there wasn't a lot to review in the comic world. I mean, in my personal opinion, there was a little bit, but it wasn't enough to really divert or dedicate one full episode to. So I felt, you know what, let me take a break. The NBA is going to heat up. The draft is coming up. You know, free agency is coming up. Or should I say, you know, the trade deadline or trade rumors or whatever call it, whatever, whatever madness is going on in the league right now. So let's just jump right into it. So obviously we know over the last 24 to 48 hours, the NBA has been in a frenzy. And I mean, an absolute tizzy. Let's just go right into the fact of Chris Paul is now a Phoenix Sun, and Phoenix did have to give up quite a bit to get him over there, or you know, over there, and that ended up getting worked out pretty relatively quickly. Phoenix is obviously going to have to pay the remaining salary of Russell Westbrook, which I believe is uh, what forty million dollars, forty almost forty one million dollars for a thirty seven year old point guard. So that is pretty hefty for a price for that point guard now hopefully we can see that you know he stays healthy but for the most part uh that has obviously gone through I'm sitting here trying to find the details of it on ESPN but of course what's going on oh okay so Oklahoma City is this is according to ESPN.com Oklahoma City is finalizing a deal for Chris Paul and Abdel Nadir for Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen LeCue, and a twenty two and a twenty twenty two first round pick. Devin gets his star point guard that he needs, at least a partner to run with him and Aiton. Obviously, uh Mikel Bridges is out there at the small forward, and then my dog, shout out to UNC, Cam Johnson is playing the four. In my opinion, I think Mikel might have to slide over to the four because Cam is not big enough to deal with a lot of the forwards in the NBA in terms of physically. Unless Cam's going to go put on 20, 30 pounds of muscle, I don't know how long that lineup is going to last. Now, in terms of shooting, the lineup is pretty freaking solid. I mean, DeAndre Ayton at the five is getting better with every year that come, with every year that passes. Chris Paul's going to realize to he has to lead a younger team once again, as he did in Oklahoma. But he actually has a running mate. Uh, Shakurius Alexander was great, I mean, towards the end, and in the bubble, he played phenomenal, but I mean, he is not at the level of Devin Booker, and this is going to be one of the better players that Chris Paul's had to play with in his recent years, obviously, when he was in Houston, he had one of the most prolific scorers in the NBA in James Harden, which I will get to shortly in a second, but... Devin is younger. Devin is a little bit easier to mold. Devin now is saying that he wants to sign a longer-term extension. If they can find a way to get Chris to re-sign for at least maybe one or two years, that's what I would assume. But CP3 goes out there to Phoenix. Oklahoma City has 17 first-round picks within the next few years. And I want to say it's within the next four to five. It's ridiculous. Oklahoma City has racked up picks between their trading of Russell Westbrook, between the trading of Paul George, between the trade of Chris Paul. They they, they have just racked up 
an abundance of first-round picks. But that is one of the first dominoes to fall. And I know that I said trade deadline, but I mean free agency is pretty much opening up within the next couple of days. So trades are available, contract negotiations are available, opting in and out of contracts are available. So I'm just going to pretty much go down the list. Uh, here we go. Robin Lopez, the twin brother of Brooke Lopez, has opted out of his contract of $6 million, and he will become a free agent. Uh, DeMar DeRozan has opted into his contract to stay with the Spurs for $28 million. Smart choice by him. Uh, the biggest news, which, once again, I'm going to circle back to, but it's just in the chain of events. All-star shooting guard James Harden, former MVP, has declined a $50 million per year do- uh, deal with the Houston Rockets and is now pursuing and forcing ownership to trade him over to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Now, my thoughts behind that are, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why is Brooklyn even considering it? But again, alas, I shall round that back up towards the end. Also, more news in Houston. Robert Covington's going over to Portland, and they are sending over Trevor Ariza and a 2020 first-round pick, the 16th overall pick, and the 2021 first, well, a 2021 first-round pick. So, I'm confused as to why Houston is letting Covington go. I mean, they are getting a first-round pick, but they're getting an older Trevor Ariza. I would assume it's because of an expiring contract. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I, I guess I, I feel like the, it's more of a question on Portland. Why would they give two first-round picks for Robert Covington? But, I mean, what, what, what do I know? <laughs> I the, the guy hit some good shots in the bubble. I mean, he worked in D'Antoni's system somewhat, but I don't understand. I think Portland paid a little too much. Obviously, with, what's his name, uh, Rodney Hood opting out of his $6 million deal, uh, that does give them a little depth at the forward slash guard position because we know that Covington did play the four a lot in Houston, but, I mean, we'll just see how they use him out there in Portland. And Again, another shooter out there in Portland. Uh, another big, big deal, the New Orleans Pelicans are nearing, if not finalizing, a deal that would send Eric Bledsoe and George Hill plus three future first-round picks and pick swaps to the New Orleans, uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks for Drew Holiday. I said this yesterday as this news was all breaking. I don't know where why these teams are giving up first-round picks like it's free candy on Halloween. I, 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 I'm not taking away the talent of Drew Holiday. I'm not discrediting the defensive slash offensive player that he is, but he is later in his career. He is not an explosive scorer. He is a shooter. He is a phenomenal on-board defender, but three first-round picks, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, like, that feels like... It just, it just seems very forced. I don't see why they're doing it. I don't understand what GMs are doing right now. Again, these first-round picks are kind of just flying off the shelves. I get they are trying to show Giannis that they're willing to give up whatever they can to have him stay. But to give up your entire future for a point guard in his 30s just seems to be a little confusing to me. But that's not all that Milwaukee did. They also got... Bogan Banyanovic from Sacramento in a side-and-trade that would send DiVincenzo, Erlian Ivasova, DJ Wilson to Sacramento, and the Kings would also send over Justin James. 
So they go out and they add two shooters and one good defender. And the two shooters are obviously Holiday and Bogdanovich, but are Bogdanovich, and they go and they pick up the defender that is Holiday. So I mean, I I see what they're doing. All reports are leading that Giannis is going to end up signing his five-year supermax contract with the Bucks by the end of the week. But you know, we will see what happens. Andre Drummond is opting into his twenty-eight million dollar contract over there in Cleveland, as he should, because who's going to pass up twenty-eight million? Um, as I stated earlier, Rodney Hood opted out. Gordon Haywood, the superstar that was sought out, or should I say former superstar, that tragically busted up his ankle opening night uh, a few years back against the Cleveland Cavaliers, has since been, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say disrespected, but I do want to say that I feel that Gordon Haywood is a shell of what he once was. Since he obviously has declined after that injury, I mean, the the whole thing in Boston with Kyrie obviously didn't pan out. Um, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Haywood on their own didn't pan out. Then you go and add Kemba Walker in there, and where everybody's, you know, that's another discussion that I'm going to get into. Kemba Walker was getting shot by Danny Ainge all over the place. Gordon Haywood currently right now was, earlier today, pushing to have the extension on whether or not he wants to opt into his $34 million player option. But they did push that deadline to Thursday. But now I'm reading reports all over the place that Gordon Haywood might be traded to the Atlanta Hawks on a sign and trade in terms of Atlanta would be able to give him even more money and give him the extension that he wants for security purposes. And you'd pair Gordon Haywood, John Collins, um, obviously Trey Young. There are rumors that they're going to offer Rajon Rondo $15 million to come off the bench to support that cast and make them a contender in the East. I mean, with Cam Reddish, Clint Capella, I, I, I don't really see why Atlanta wouldn't be somewhat relevant. And I don't mean relevant top four seed, but then again, the Eastern Conference is not exactly threatening. So, I mean, with the talent on that team, I, I don't see why they wouldn't be a six or five seed. I don't know what's going to happen. But again, Gordon Haywood currently, as we speak right now, is kind of on the fence of figuring out whether or not he wants to opt in. But again, that would probably go hand in hand with the fact of if he is going to get traded, he would probably opt in and then sign an extension. If he doesn't want to be traded, he would probably opt out. But then again, I don't know anybody in this league that's going to pay Gordon Haywood anywhere near that money again. So, if, you, if I had to put money on it, he's going to opt in. He's probably going to leave Boston. Uh, sliding into the Kemba topic as he, him being one of my favorite players. Shout out to the Bronx. Shout out to everybody back home. Uh, Kemba coming from home is obviously one of my favorite players to watch. Always has been since college. Prior to the UConn shot that he hit in the NCAA tournament. I just, I find myself confused as to what Danny Ainge expected him to do in a system in which they already had three stars on that team. Obviously, Gordon Haywood being the lesser of the three, but we all knew it was Jason Tatum's team. We all knew that Jalen Brown would be second fiddle. If not, you know, him and Kemba would kind of be going hand-in-hand for it. They did pay him a very large lump sum of money, but after one season to trade him away for further assets or trade him away for Drew Holiday which was, you know, further reports, other rumors. I, I, I don't know why there was even a point of even signing him. I've been tweeting all day that he should have just come to Dallas. You know, he should have been the point guard of the future with Kemba Walker, Kristaps Porzingis, you know, maybe manage the second unit a little bit better. I don't know how he would have fit into the system, but I just, you know, 
I didn't see a point in him going to Boston in the first place because there were too many mouths to feed. But now look, now he's being shopped around the entire league, and he was pretty much desperate, according to reports from Legion Hoops, uh, Woj, uh, a bunch of reliable sources that Kemba Walker was pretty much in every deal that Danny was working to get him off and to get Drew Holiday in to Boston. Uh, we're just going to keep on going here. I'm going to tie it right back into the fact that uh, James Harden wants out. Oh, I forgot. Dennis Schroeder got traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. That was one of the first news, one of the first names to drop. He got traded for Danny Green, and I believe a pick or something else. It, it doesn't really matter. Danny Green, poop. He's just out here ring chasing. He got his three rings. He'll never win again. But uh, you know, again, UNC alumni can't be hating. So I am happy that he did get something. But uh, yeah, Dennis Schroeder is what looks to be sliding into the starting lineup of the Lakers with the loss of Rajon Rondo, who has opted out of his contract as well as Anthony Davis opting out of his contract. But all reports show that Anthony Davis opted out to opt back in, or should I say to re-sign with the Lakers for more money. So we will definitely see what happens in regards to Los Angeles going back for a title repeat. But I am kind of getting the further notion that, you know, like I'm starting to see now that, Giannis is going to stay, so that means Golden State doesn't necessarily get a full reload. That doesn't mean that Bob Myers is done out there in San Francisco, so I have no idea what they're thinking now that they've lost their potential to go out there and get their next superstar, or should I say their replacement for Kevin Durant, which you can't really say there is a replacement because of how prolific he is at scoring and everything else that he does, but Giannis Antetokounmpo would have been a great fit in Golden State in my opinion. Surrounded by nothing but shooters. The paint is legitimately going to be empty. Whoever misses, he's going to go up there and grab those boards. And he's going to learn from the best shooters of all time in Clay and Steph uh, on how to improve that jump shot. So I just felt it was a good fit for him. I felt that they had enough assets to potentially move and go and get him. But, you know, if they do keep the number two overall pick, who knows? The draft is tomorrow night. And by tomorrow night, obviously, by the time this comes out, I would mean tonight. So we will see what happens. There are rumors that uh, Michael Jordan wants LaMelo Ball. There are rumors that, you know, the Warriors are going to target him. Minnesota's going to target him. He has worked out for the Pistons, the Timberwolves, the Warriors, and a couple of other NBA teams. I think Charlotte as well. So I don't know what's going to happen there. So I'm going to go right full dive into Houston. I know I said that like four times, but I kept getting sidetracked. I'm pretty sure I said everybody that I have here on my paper, everybody here on ESPN, and as well as everybody. Well, actually, you know what? Let me check Woj, because as I'm talking to you guys right now, there could be a Woj bomb going on, and you guys could be like, damn, Kev, you just missed it. So let me just refresh the timeline real quick. Hold on real quick. Um, you see what I mean? What, it is, what is this? The Rockets are seeking to buy a late first or early second round pick in Wednesday's draft, and they want to continue stockpiling assets after getting two first rounders for Covington. So, and the Rockets feel no pressure to trade either Westbrook or Harden and are willing to get uncomfortable as training camp starts. So you see what I mean? As I was about to start talking about Harden and Westbrook, this is NBA Retweet, by the way, who is pretty much on point per ESPN McMahon. This is them just kind of reposting. I don't exactly know what's going to happen there in Houston because one second they're willing to trade him and they found a suitable deal. The next minute they have no idea what's going on. And if Kyrie or KD aren't involved in the trade, they're not going to do it for Harden. And in the next trade, uh, in the next rumor, I see that there was potentially an Oklahoma City, uh, excuse me, a John Wall slash Russell Westbrook straight up trade. You know, I've pretty much seen it all at this point. So, I mean, I'm just going to keep scrolling here and uh, just to see 
if there is anything that I am missing, I tend to scroll through here pretty quick. I do follow quite a bit of NBA pages and, you know, some professional reporters. And I'm don't not seeing anything. So, okay, cool. But I'm going to go into the Houston situation as I stated a few seconds ago. This is the fifth time, sorry. Uh, Houston kind of has blown up. I want to be the first to say that I called this the second Russell got to Houston. I said this last season, obviously well over a year ago because the NBA would have started already if we were on a normal schedule prior to COVID. So I said that the Russell Westbrook, James Harden experiment would not work for one of two reasons. One, Russell cannot play off the basketball. Russell has now been dominating his own team in Oklahoma City for three to four years, winning an MVP, the triple crown, the triple crown, the triple double trophy, whatever you want to call it. It was everybody knew it was Westbrook's show. James hasn't had a second fiddle. Realistically, I don't I don't consider Chris Paul a second fiddle because Chris wasn't really doing anything electric like a KD or a Kyrie would. Game manager, yes. Veteran, yes. Defensive presence, yes. In terms of steals and, you know, on-ball defending to kind of piss people off. But Chris Paul was never really a, a second superstar, like a like a, a dominating force, like Russell Westbrook is. So I said between the two of them, in terms of, again, I've said a couple of names here, in referencing James and Russell, I said it would never work. So when the trade happened, Chris went to OKC, and obviously Russell came over to Houston. I didn't think OKC would do anything either. OKC obviously shocked the world, and they went and got the fourth or the fifth seed, whatever it is they ended up with, and they made a run, and they took Houston all the way to Game 7. So, I mean, they did a lot better than expectation, but Houston didn't. To me, Houston lived up to expectation, losing in the second round to the Lakers in five. The small ball offense, first of all, was never going to work. Russell Westbrook feeds off of the inside dish, drive and kick. Uh, you know what I mean? Like high pick and roll with Steven Adams and Nick Collison back in the day. He likes to play with bigger players. And Houston's system is small ball. Russell Westbrook's not a shooter. Russell Westbrook's also a hothead. Russell Westbrook is also a chuck. And when he gets confident, he hits one shot. As we all saw in the postseason, he hit one three in the game that Houston won, and I believe that was game one or two, and he was talking all this shit as if he had had a Clay Thompson night and it was eight of nine from three-point line. Where was he the rest of that series? Russell Westbrook is one of the most electrifying basketball players in the entire NBA. Probably one of the funnest basketball players to watch, minus the fact that his mouth tends to get him in a little bit of trouble and the fact that it just just gets annoying. I mean, we get it. You're fast. We get it. You're explosive. You can dunk on anybody you want. But to just consistently play with such an aggressive manner, obviously to certain people in the world, they'd find that to be entertaining. To me, it's a little bit, I don't know, cocky. To me, it's a little bit of a, a, a pestering kind of attitude to have. Like, you are getting up there in age. You haven't won a championship yet. You have won an MVP. Congratulations. But everywhere... You tend to gravitate towards, obviously, you found a way to get out of OKC the way that whole situation happened when Melo left or Melo got cut or traded or however that situation fell when PG left and you requested a trade. And then you coming into Houston, everybody was like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be phenomenal. I just, I knew it wasn't going to work. James Harden, everybody here knows I am not the biggest fan of him. 
Everybody knows that I have always said that James Harden's style of basketball is not a championship pedigree level of basketball. And I've also said the same about Russell. Maybe not on the podcast, but I've said it in life. You can ask any of my friends that I talk basketball with on the daily. Russell is toxic. The way that he manages the game, the way that he views the game, the way that he plays the game was never going to win, especially on his own. Then you pair him with James Harden. Once again, another player who is very ball dominant, another player who plays a style that just doesn't work, whether on his own or with a teammate. And you put them together, it was never going to work. Again, Russell's either holding the ball, dribbling around for 15 to 18 seconds, trying to find a way to attack the basket, or pulling up and taking a stupid shot. And then you have James Harden, who is all about isolation basketball, who takes the ball for just about just about as much time as Russell, if not more, and takes a step back three. Sure. Is he a prolific scorer? Absolutely. Is he fun to watch? To me, absolutely not. I don't like watching one person have the ball the entire time, and then when he finally gets double or triple teamed or finally attacks the basket, he's either dishing it out or shooting a free. It's not fun to watch. I think Houston basketball is very, very, very boring. I think Houston basketball is very repetitive. I also don't think James Harden is the best defender in the world, so for him to put all of that effort into 20 seconds of his offensive shot clock to knock it back on defense and or do not to play defense, it's just he's basically a cherry picker to me. Obviously, he's not literally waiting on the other side of the court, but you might as well because of how useless he is on defense. So for James and Russell to be paired up, to me it was just to me being a Mavericks fan, it was a match made in heaven. And it, it just I knew it wasn't going to work. Did the Mavericks lose in the first round to the Clippers? Absolutely. Did the Clippers underperform and end up losing in the next round? Absolutely. But I still think that the Dallas Mavericks were better than the Houston Rockets. I just do. Uh, I just don't find Harden's level of play or Harden's style of play, should I say, and Russell's style to be a coexisting, workable system. Back in the day in 2013 when they went to the finals with Kevin Durant when they were all in their young early 20s, it worked because they all knew to share with one another. They all played off of each other. When they split, and when I say they, when when James went on his own and became the beard, the icon, whatever, not the icon, the player that he is, I knew it was never going to work because he's like, yo, I, I've had a team by myself for five, six years now. Why would I share? Russell had it in Oklahoma for the last three to four years before he went to Houston. Kevin Durant was in in in, in uh, Golden State, but he knew how to play off of Clay. He knew how to play off of Steph. He knew how to play with Draymond, even though they argued. That system worked because they were good enough to realize that they wanted to win more than they wanted to score and achieve accolades, and that is where Russell and Harden lack. They're not selfless. Sure, Russell leads the league in assists sometimes. Sure, Russell does have an average of a triple-double in the last couple of years. But his field goal percentage is trash. His three-point percentage is trash. His turnover ratio in the postseason is trash. But everyone says that Russell Westbrook is a stat stuffer. Cool. He scored 38 12 and 17 and a loss by 15 points because you wanted to go and make sure you got your triple double how are you making your team better how was your attitude you losing it on a stupid foul that you committed getting a technical foul and then having an attitude the rest of the game and then getting in foul trouble and what your team needs you to produce that's on you kid 
That's 100% on you. James Harden. I think he broke the NBA record for most missed threes while attempting the most threes in a two-game NBA span. The guy was like two for 20-something. But the the way that D'Antoni's system worked, keep shooting. If you got a three, take it. And he encouraged Harden's terrible playing style. Kobe said it and T-Max said it. The way that Houston was playing basketball was never going to work. So, Russell wanted out. I forget what the initial reason was. I forget what the what it was for. But Russell wanted to get out of there. And then after that, James wanted to get out of there. The Russell Westbrook sweepstakes kind of heated up. There's rumors that Russell is... Uh, being targeted by the Charlotte Hornets and the New York Knicks. The Charlotte Hornets are were the favorite until Michael said he did not want to give up the third overall pick. Nobody wants to go to the Garden, <laughs> especially without the Garden being the Garden with COVID, obviously, so there's no fans. Uh, the Knicks are a dumpster fire of an organization, and I'm going to continue to say that as long as people keep bashing Kristaps for getting hurt. It is what it is. I also will note if Chris Stops does get hurt again this upcoming season, I say that we have to find a way to trade him and take the hit. Even if we have to pay out the rest of the contract or we don't get enough back for him, we cannot continue to have someone on our roster that we are paying this much money to that can't stay healthy. We already inherited him with an ACL injury. We already, he just tore his meniscus and he's going to miss some time in the regular season in Dallas. So we don't know how long that's going to be with him rehabbing right now. The NBA season obviously is coming back completely in December on the 22nd. So that is not enough time for someone to heal from meniscus surgery. Obviously, he had it about a month ago. So we'll see what happens in Dallas. Um, We are looking to make some moves as well. There are rumors that we're looking to go out there and get Zach Levine. Uh, I've even seen some Steven Adam rumors. Uh, We were kind of in the mix for Drew Holiday until we saw their asking price. We were like, yeah, no. but I want to. I want to really. I want to. I want to ask you guys a question. And this is obviously towards the basketball fans. Kyrie played with LeBron James, the greatest basketball player on this earth. Right? They won a championship together. They went to three straight finals together. It didn't work. Well, I mean, it worked, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it. it they got the chip, so I can't say that it didn't work. Obviously, never mind. The trade to Boston happened. That didn't work. He had to mentor young people. He had to show them the ropes. He had to kind of be the the veteran, the guy that ran the show. He had to be the LeBron of the Celtics, and it didn't pan out, right? He leaves and goes to Brooklyn, teams up with KD. KD leaves the Warriors. They build their own little thing in Brooklyn. Brooklyn ends up making the playoffs without Kyrie and KD as the seventh seed. And you're going to tell me you're going to blow all of that up. With Kyrie coming back healthy, KD fully recovered from his Achilles, for James Harden. Now, just just think about it. On paper, you have three of the best players in the league. Three top 15, three top 20, depending on where you rank Kyrie. Probably top 15 in my opinion. You have three top 15 players on the same team. How is it possible that it won't work? Let's go down the list, right? The Brooklyn Nets roster, right? There's a lot of names here that I don't even know of. So I'm just going to go down the list in order here. Jared Allen, Justin Anderson, Wilson Chandler, Chris Chizoa, Nicholas Claxton, Jamal Crawford, Spencer Dinwiddle, Kevin Durant, Donta Hall, Joe Harris, Chris LeVert, Rindicus Krukus, DeAndre Jordan, Tyler Johnson, 
Kyrie Irving, Timothy, I don't even know who you are, Jeremiah Martin, Dazan Musa, Terrain Prince, Garrett Temple, and Lance Thomas. The roster's solid. I mean, obviously, Wilson Chandler was, I think, a one-year deal. Um, Jamal Crawford was signed for the bubble. He's probably gone. I would probably say that Lance Thomas was signed for the bubble. He's gone as well. And some of these people were probably bubble people also. But, I mean, we all know Spencer Dinwiddle and Chris LeVert are two incredible guards. And you're going to go out there and get rid of them, package them, because that's probably what Houston's going to want, along with one of the stars in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, in which Brooklyn has already confirmed that that's not happening. So you're going to have to package a whole bunch of shit, future first-round picks, and God knows what else. You're going to blow this team up to have three isolated ball players. Kevin Durant being the least of the isolation, because Kevin did play with plenty of superstars in Golden State, and he did share the rock in Oklahoma with Russell and Harden prior and still averaged 30. So I would say Kevin Durant isn't necessarily an ISO ball player first. He can very well play off the ball, and not to mention he is a walking mismatch at seven feet. But you are going to have both guards on this team if they do get James without giving up Kyrie. You're going to have a ball-dominant point guard, which is a score-first point guard in Kyrie Irving, the best handles in the NBA. You're going to have James Harden, one of the most prolific scorers behind Kevin Durant at the two guard, if not the three, depending on what system they're going to run over there with Steve Nash. And then you have Kevin Durant. That is not possible to keep all three of those egos happy. I don't think that it is feasible nor realistic to tell me that the three of those guys aren't going to hate each other before the season's up. There are already plenty of rumors that are saying Kevin wants James, but Kyrie doesn't. Now, why do you think that? Kyrie had to share the rock with Braun. Kyrie had to share the rock with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Gordon Haywood to a certain extent. You're telling me the man came here to say, yo, this is our team, the two of us together at the time when Kyrie signed two top 10 players running the Eastern Conference potentially going up against Braun in the finals when healthy and you want to go and add James Harden and then blow this team up and blow their depth and completely destroy their chemistry it just it wouldn't work like how does a GM potentially make this sound appealing to the to the organization hey by the way all of you are on the block none of you are safe except for those two like what message does that send to an organization like from top to bottom all of you are expendable I get it James Harden is a a once-in-a-generational talent. I get it. One of the best scorers in the NBA. Uh, Trust me, I get it. And and, and Braun and AD, if they stay together, who knows how many championships they can get out there in LA while Braun is still in his prime. So they want to make a win-now effort here and now. You have Steve Nash, a first-time head coach, and Mike D'Antoni coming on to that staff. So, I mean, I don't want to say the sky's the limit because of the inexperience in coaching that Steve Nash has and the toxicity that Kyrie tends to bring with coaching staffs. And if you bring James over, that just seems to form a little click that the three of them are just, it's them or nothing. Not to mention the amount of money you are going to have to pay out to keep James, because that contract from Houston is pretty hefty, if I'm not mistaken. So what are you going to sign? A bunch of veteran, a, a bunch of vet minimum guys and hope that it works? What if Kyrie has a, uh, what if Kyrie gets hurt again? Because we do know he has been prone to injury. 
What if James Harden goes on one of those streaks and he just can't produce? We all know James Harden is awful in the postseason. So if he starts weighing and anchoring this team down in the potential postseason run that they go on, they don't have enough depth to back them up. They do not have enough veteran leadership on that team behind the three of them because who knows if DeAndre is still going to be there. What happens to the second unit? What happens if they're in foul trouble? The, the, the list goes on. The three of them just cannot, in my opinion, coexist on one team with a rookie head coach. It just wouldn't, it just wouldn't make sense. This team now, with the two of them healthy in terms of Kyrie and Kevin, makes perfect sense. Kyrie goes off, KD goes off. Kyrie have a bad night, give it to KD. KD have a bad night, give it to Kyrie. And you have plenty of players, a.k.a. Chris LeVert and Dinwiddle, Dinwiddie, that can produce, that can score, that can create their own shots, that can facilitate DeAndre Jordan, a rim protector. Jared Allen, a phenomenal rim protector. There is plenty of young talent on this team. There's plenty of veteran talent on this team. But if you blow it up, and if you go and go out there and get you get James without having to give up KD or Kyrie, I just think that this team ruins every shot that they have. Will they win games? Absolutely. They have so much talent. The three of those players together will definitely put them on a, in, a, in a place where they can compete for an Eastern Conference championship. But if it goes down into a seven-game series with the Los Angeles Lakers, depending on what they do with that, that team... I don't think they win. I just, I genuinely don't. And it sucks because I was excited to see the Brooklyn Nets play this season with Steve Nash as a first-time head coach with a fully healthy Kevin Durant and a fully healthy Kyrie Irving. I really, really was. I was kind of hoping Jamal Crawford would get re-signed as well because his bubble time got cut short with another injury. But, you know, you live, you, you live in your dream, you live in your hope. So I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. In the NBA, obviously, free agency slash chaos has started only within the last 24 hours or, you know, 36 hours. It's just a matter of, excuse me, my goodness, acid reflux is terrible. It's just a matter of what's going to happen with everything. I don't really know. Oh, here we go. Here is the NBA's schedule. The NBA season preseason, or should I say the NBA preseason starts the 11th to the 19th in December. The season is from December 22nd to March 4th, full first half regular season. March 5th to March 10th is the All-Star break. March 11th to March 16th to May 16th is the second half. My god, I sound disgusting like a fucking pig and I'm so sorry. And this only happens when I record, I don't know why. May 18th to May 21st is a play-in tournament and then May 22nd to July 22nd is the NBA playoffs. So they're trying to get it back on pace. So that is the official word as of a few moments ago that Twitter has so elusively provided me. So gracias to my favorite application that now has fleets, which is equivalent to the Instagram stories. So we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, I figured I'd change it up today, like I said, just because the NFL topics tended to be repetitive, just going over wins and going over what's going on there and, you know, over and over and over and over. Um in good news, football-wise, me and Isabel's dad are on a six-game win streak. We are tied for first place in our fantasy league after starting 0-4. We're doing great. We're playing great, making good decisions. My other league, I'm 5-5. Five and five, And the other league with my brother, I'm 5-5. Five and five. So we're, 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 we're working there. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're getting there. We're competing for a postseason berth. And I'm just trying to win all my money back for all those leagues. If I can just get my money back from every single one of them, I'll be straight. I'll be good. 
But I am going to go over this week's scores because this week did have a lot of NFL drama. And by drama, I mean incredible games. I'm going to start right off with the craziest game of the week with the Bills and Cardinals going all the way down to the wire with DeAndre Hopkins, Randy Moss-esque, Calvin Johnson-esque catch over three defenders. Shout out to Jumpman for getting probably one of the coolest images with DeAndre Hopkins' glove being a clear and present Jumpman over a Nike and Adidas glove. Fire. Arizona wins that game 32-30. to Arizona takes a division lead. It's a three-way tie, though, for first place with the Rams and the Seahawks. The Bills fall to 7-3 and three as the Dolphins slide up to 6-3, and three, making those teams one game apart. There's a lot of close divisions this season, man. I don't know what is going on in football, but boy, do I love it. The Indianapolis Colts started the week off. Molly whopping the Tennessee Titans 34 to 17. Uh, Philip Rivers throwing for over 300 yards. Um, we held Derrick Henry to just 102 yards rushing. I know what you're saying. Still 100 yards in an L. Did what we needed to do there. We took sole possession of first place in the division at six and three. Tennessee is again. They are six and three as well. Uh, the Texans and Browns game complete snore fest. Seven to ten. Cleveland takes that win. Um, Detroit, the NFC North continues to fight within itself. They are four and five. Uh, they beat Washington twenty-seven. Or excuse me, they beat Washington thirty to twenty-seven. Tampa Bay bounces back from the embarrassing loss on Sunday Night Football to the Saints, or from the Saints, and they go down and absolutely obliterate Carolina forty-six to twenty-three in Carolina. The Philadelphia Eagles go out and struggle and lose a tough one to the New York Giants, 27-17. The Packers avoid an upset in Lambeau with a win at 24-20. The Chargers continue to struggle and lose close games. They lose to the Dolphins, 29-21. The Raiders completely embarrass Drew Locke, make him throw four interceptions, and they potentially knock him out of the game, if not out of a couple of weeks. They win that 37-12. The Seahawks struggle, and Russell Wilson has three to four turnovers, and they lose 23-16 to to the Rams. The Bengals get absolutely embarrassed, and they lose 36-10. to The Saints lose Drew Brees for about a month with, I believe it is fractured ribs. Multiple ribs are hurt and potentially a punctured lung, but they hold off to beat San Francisco 27-13. And the Patriots find a way to scrummage up a win against Lamar Jackson with a victory of 23-17. to the Vikings also continued their somewhat hot streak, and they beat the Bears on Monday night, 19-13. So, the NFL was pretty cool this week. Like I said, best game obviously being the Cardinals and the Bills. The Cardinals having both of the games of the year, in my opinion, and both having victories against the Seattle Seahawks on a Sunday night, and then going and beating the Bills at 4 o'clock well, by the time the game ended, 7-7-30. So, I mean... We're looking at NFC standing, or should I say, we're looking at playoff pictures right here. We got the Bills leading the division in the East. We got the Chiefs leading the division in the West. The Steelers are still undefeated at 9-0. The Colts lead the division in the South, transferring over to the NFC. The Eagles somehow still lead the division in the East. The Cardinals are three-way tie once again, but are leading their division in the West. The Packers still lead their division at 7-2 and two in the North. And then the Saints still have a half game. If not a... Oh, no, they have a full game. They have the complete advantage over the Bucks, sweeping them at 7-2. and two. 
So, yeah, the NFL is getting interesting. It's getting tight. The division races are heating up. Uh, both the Lions and the Vikings are 4-5 and five after starting off winless. Or not winless, actually. They did not start off winless. The Vikings started off winless. But they're on their respective streaks. Well, actually, no. It's all, now that I'm, I'm completely misreading this, the Vikings are on a three-game streak. The Bears were... I think four and one until we beat them. If not five, no, were they four and one? I think we, us and the Bears at one point were like three or four and one together. And the Bears have since lost four straight and they are five and five, losing Nick Foles, but they have a bye week, so he should be okay. Aaron Rodgers comes into Indianapolis next week. Very nervous for that game. Very excited for that game. Kamiko uh, uh, Terry comes back from IR from a broken ankle from last season. And the Colts are just going to continue to ride this little whatever confidence wave that we have right now after beating a amazing Tennessee Titans team. Uh, obviously, the NFC West is probably the tightest division in football with all three of these leading teams at 6-3. and three. The NFC East is, however, also wide fucking open with all four of these teams basically being within two games of one another. The Eagles are 3-5-1, and one, the Giants are 3-7, and seven, and both Washington and the... Cowboys are two and seven. I would say Dallas has the least likelihood. Washington as well. So I would say this probably ends up going between the Giants and the Eagles, depending on how the chemistry folds or you know works out between the two of them. The Giants are on a two-game win streak. The Eagles still cannot continue to. I don't want to say this. The Eagles still can't take their head out of their ass. I don't know what it is they're doing. I really thought that this would kind of be an easier victory against a. Not struggling, but, you know, kind of a no-identity Giants. They look decent in most of their games, and then they kind of collapse when it matters most. Uh, The Dolphins, as I had stated, are creeping, creeping, creeping right up behind the Bills, one game apart. They're on a five-game win streak. The Jets, still 0-9. The Chargers continue to lose heartbreakers. Denver looked good for a little bit, and then I, I guess they fell right back to sleep. Uh, the, the Las Vegas Raiders are still doing their thing at 6-3. and three. John Gruden's on a three-game win streak. Chiefs on a four-game win streak. Obviously, the Steelers are still the best team in football with that defense being as dominant as it is, only allowing 171 points throughout the entire season. Um, Lamar Jackson loses a, a tough one. <laughs> Big trust. And they fall to 6-3. and three. Cleveland is in third place, believe it or not, once again at 6-3 and three as well. And they did lose OBJ for the season. So they're finding ways to get it done. And over here in the AFC South, it's just, you know, Colts and the Titans. We've got to figure it out. Uh, the Jaguars, 1-8. and eight. Houston, 2-7. and seven. Nothing's going to happen there. So it really is a two-way tie in ours. If I had to make a prediction right now in terms of Super Bowl, it's going to be Chiefs and pittsburgh for the afc championship and i would probably have to ride with the hot team right now i might kind of pick a sleeper pick right here and have the cardinals go up against the packers depending on drew Brees' injury just because aaron Rodgers is playing on another level he is playing at an mvp caliber level but you know kyler murray is also playing at an mvp caliber level both defenses are questionable at times however those offenses would make it for an entertaining NFC matchup I would probably have to go at the edge with the Packers winning late in a shootout with Aaron Rodgers having the veteran know-how him having obviously one of the best receivers in football in Devontae Adams if healthy a a solid and good run game with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams I would probably say they go to the Super Bowl against the defending Super Bowl champions I think Pittsburgh hasn't played an offense quite like the Chiefs I think that Big Ben 
is being knocked around quite often this season. I think that Pittsburgh's defense has had some holes and some question marks, obviously having them in fantasy and then watching them struggle to a team like Philly in Pittsburgh just leads me to believe that there might be a question mark in terms of if they have really played anybody tough. I'm actually going to look at their schedule right now because I'm curious myself. So their scores, they played the Bengals, the Cowboys, the Ravens being the best team so far. They went close with the Titans. They played the Browns. Yeah, they haven't really played anybody that isn't the Titans. The Ravens was a close one, but I mean, like, I didn't see them losing that matchup against Lamar. I think it just took some time to get their offense and defense clicking. But again, I don't don't really, their toughest game was the Titans game, in my opinion, and Ryan Tannehill versus Pat Mahomes, it's it's a two different team. You know, it's a, it's a completely different world. So I have no idea what's going to happen in that regard. But I would probably say Chiefs, Packers in the Super Bowl, and I'd probably go with Pat Mahomes winning another one just because that team is young, that team is confident, that team is playing, that team is firing on all cylinders. They having some question marks on the defensive end as of late, but I mean, I don't think that that will stop them by the time they get all the way down to the Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Baseball-wise... Uh, who won the AL MVP? Oh, Jose Abreu won for the White Sox. The NL MVP was Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves. Uh, DJ LeMay, who has yet to sign his contract. So, yeah, I'm still mad about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still mad about that. The Yankees are potentially looking at shopped trades for Francisco Lindor. I don't condone it. I don't think we need him, but what are you going to do? The Yankees organization obviously knows a lot more than I do. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, this Mike Tyson Roy Jones Jr. fight apparently is actually happening on the 28th this year, so we'll, I am kind of curious to see two 50-year-olds go at it. Although, if you have seen images of Mike Tyson, he is still a very scary man. So, I would probably say Mike wins by knockout within two or three rounds, depending on the condition and shape that Roy's in. But I wouldn't be surprised if Mike absolutely, completely kills him within the first round as well. So. That's kind of my TED Talk for the day. I do feel like I am underselling it. I feel like it could have been a lot longer, but I did manage to touch every topic that I wanted. I did miss you guys. I you know, I needed that break. I felt like I needed that time to reflect. Uh, I did think about making an episode at some point last week, but I said, why force it? Let's just kind of let the week play itself out with sports and see what's going on in the update there. And it ended up working out perfectly because, look, NBA free agency is going nuts. The NFL still in full swing, and we're just getting everything going. Comic book-wise, I'll probably have a bit more content for you guys with the Snyder Cut still kind of going. Spider-Man started filming. The Green Lantern Corpse has officially called itself TVMA in terms of it is not for children for HBO Max. Titans Season 3 has started filming with the Red Hood concept. Jason Todd in Season 2 will obviously portray the Caped Crusaders awaited I don't want to say I waited. I don't know the adjective I'm trying to say. But the Red Hood's coming, so I'm pretty fucking hyped about that. The PS5 dropped. I am having mixed feelings, as a lot of my friends, both back home and in Florida, have gotten the console, both in person and have struck on uh, restocks as of recently. Shout out to my boy Jared. He just got a PS5 today. Uh, I know that me and Rob are still kind of waiting and hunting for hours, but we'll see what happens. Um, the new console dropped. I've seen play. I've seen gameplay. I've seen reviews. It's looking great. I mean, a lot of my friends are still transitioning over to PC. 
if y'all saw my room, you would say, yeah, there's no room for a PC in here. So I think I'm going to stick with my console. Not to mention I can barely type my name, let alone try to play a fucking video game with it. So, uh, again, excuse me for the life of me. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on in that world. I, I kind of just kind of stay away from the PC world as my friends continue to add and save and buy parts for a PC. I just kind of sit back and say, yeah, I'm going to pass, you know, I'm going to continue to do my thing and, and still suck at Call of Duty with, with my hands and just a controller versus trying to, nope, now you got to press X and S to reload and then click and then press the backspace button to, no, no, pass, hard pass. I'm just going to stick to what I know. So if I can get my hands on a PS5, I'll be ecstatic. If not, it is what it is. I'm not going to kill myself over it. I did try to promise myself that I would wait until the next wave in terms of the next upgraded version of it comes out or until the bugs are worked out. But the way that it's going, the way that all of these consoles, these next-gen consoles are going and flying off the shelves, Xbox doesn't even know if it's going to come out with something by April. Their restocks are very, very, very minimal. So, I mean, if Sony continues to restock as often as they have been within the last three to four days, who's to say they don't run out until further than that? So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, again, no rush. I just got the new 12 Pro Max. So, I mean, the iPhone 12 Pro Max. So, I'm not really stressing in terms of having something new. If that's the case, I got my new little toy to play with. And it's the same shit I had before. It's just bigger. So, not really... Uh, but yeah, nope, next week we'll be right on schedule, we will be talking a little bit more about comics, I'm going to do a little bit more deep diving in terms of more news and stuff, like I hear news, I hear comic book reveal, I hear a lot of uh, news from Chris Killian and, you know, comicbook.com, so I, I kind of try to absorb as much as I can, but I do have to find a way to spin that and put that back into the podcast because that is another thing that makes me happy other than sports, you know, a little quick change of pace, don't hurt nobody. So I hope you guys enjoy. Thanksgiving is next week. So I hope that you guys are staying safe with everything going on in this world. And I hope that everybody has a very, very good day tomorrow and a very happy and healthy weekend. See y'all next week. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.